Hello, and welcome to another episode of Otaku in Training. I am your host, LB. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, CT. Evening. Uh, and joining us again is our trainee, Bama. Hi, everybody. So, for this month, uh, normally CT and I discuss which series we are going to show to our trainee, uh, and we come to a consensus, but in this case, I kind of took the lead and decided to force my choice onto everybody, uh, and that would be, we decided to break the mold a little bit normally we only do 12 episode series but this time i wanted to see how things would go if we did the first half of a series and then decided where to go from there and in that case we are going to be talking about the first 12 episodes of ancient magus bride so, Ancient Magus Bride is only a couple of years old. I believe it came out in 17, I want to say. Maybe 19? 17. 17? Okay, cool. So, Technically, yeah. there were OVAs in 16 and 17. We didn't okay, start cool. with those. Okay, cool. So, alright, uh, but we're talking about the main TV series for this one, and like I said, we're just, just discussing the first 12 episodes. Uh, we may come back around and discuss the second half of the series at some point, but we haven't fully committed to that yet. But regardless, you know, the first 12 episodes seemed like a good uh, breaking in point for something a little bit longer. So, we're going to go ahead, we're going to jump right into things. Uh, Ancient Magus Bride, Bama, you and I watched the first few episodes of this together, because I happened to be visiting you when I was pushing for so hard for this. So, I'm kind of <laughs> curious, before we even started watching the series, based on what I had told you... Did you have any, like, reservations about this one? Because I did warn you that this series was going to get pretty dark at times. You did. And to be honest, I was worried that it was going to be a lot worse than it was. This was um, well within my my comfort zone. I'm, I'm At very least, I'm looking back on it going, yeah, that was... That was really cool and a fun ride. I don't know how much worse it's going to get after episode 12, but um yeah, up up until then, it was it was really neat and I enjoyed it quite a bit actually. <laughs> well, that that comes across as little surprising because of course fairly early on we do get bloody cat murder. So uh that that would would have been one of my things that I'm like, maybe, maybe that'll be a cutoff point. I don't, I don't know if you got there uh, while you were watching together or not, and, and that helped. Uh, or I'm not quite sure what your particular level of uh, comfort, discomfort with uh, dark themes and certain kind of violence were. Uh, did, did the fact that this is kind of creepy fey strangeness assist with it rather than uh 
just human on human, straightforward Gur murder face. That's probably a very accurate um, description of, of why I I thought it was okay. The the creepy cat murder was pretty extreme, and I do remember uh, burying my face on my not wife's arm and saying, "Tell me when it's over." <laughs> um, and she's more of a cat person than I am, so in retrospect, that was actually kind of rude. Uh, if you're listening, <laughs> sorry, baby. <laughs> So getting into the actual series itself, uh, like I said, I warned you ahead of time that it was going to get dark, uh, but, and I also gave you the option to tap out at any point. Uh, early on, were there any moments that made you think about tapping out, or was it all within your realm of acceptance that you didn't you never felt the need to exercise that option or uh, felt tempted to do so? Um, I don't think I was ever tempted to tap out. In general, animation itself, I think there's a... That's an extra layer of unreality to really remind me that this is not real. And that frees me up to enjoy it a little bit better. If this had been a live action series with the cat murders, I could not have handled it. Just straight up letting you know now. Um, yeah, no worries. Wow. Well, yeah. There, but there are so many live action cat murder series that we want to explore. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> the last really time a, I a tapped genre. out of a, uh, a media thing it was a movie i can't remember what the movie was but we decided to watch it as a family and the first thing they do is the good guys rush in and try to save a bunch of school kids from the bad guys who are running a big drug ring and they they get all the little kids loaded up into a helicopter and at the last minute the bad guys blow up the helicopter. And I said, nope. If you're killing a busload of kids before the credits open, I am not going to watch the rest of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm and, pretty uh, sure I know what time. movie you're talking about. Yeah, I I, I, I don't. I, I just said, you two enjoy it. And if you want ice cream later, I'll fix ice cream, but I am going to go plan D&D now. <laughs> and thus I Definitely did. Definitely sounds like an ice cream and popcorn sort of movie. Oh yeah. You know, and I don't have a problem with people who enjoy action flicks. It's just not my thing. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you, there are plenty of ways to make a bad guy irredeemable before killing a busload of kids before the credits fully open. <laughs> just come on dude that's 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 not okay <laughs> so edgy so yeah compared to that the 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 insane cat murders were <laughs> creepy and weird and wrong but not it was something i could stomach in small doses if there was something like that in every episode 
then that would not be for me. And definitely a different kind of darkness in here. The, the fact that this is so attached to the Fae, I think, is able to convey sort of the uh, uh, the the inability to grasp just what the nature of those kinds of creatures and that kind of darkness that they can uh, uh, take up. So the fact that you're sitting in the middle of you know some very uh, uh, strange experiments and things like that, you're you're getting a different kind of unexplainable uh, that maintains a level of I suppose curiosity about just what the Fae are in the world and just what uh, mage and magics are and, and sorcerers are so it, it helps keep you hooked and it's not exploitative so much as demonstrative of that existence Yes, that's a that, that's a good point. I mean, the 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 Fae in in this show and in some of the older folk tales are very alien. And like you said, trying to figure out what's going on is almost part of it. So getting into beyond our first you know general impressions and everything i'm kind of curious episode one i want to go ahead and talk about this in a little more detail because episode one in my opinion is one of the best episode opening episodes of the last few years mostly because it introduces so many of the elements that make this series good within those first 25 minutes. Uh, I mean, for instance, going through my notes, uh, I like, first off, that the series is quotable. Elias, after he buys Chise at the auction, tells her, carry yourself like someone who is worth looking at. And that is really something that struck hard with me when we were rewatching it. Uh, and then I also love how they weren't afraid to change the animation style and show his chibi Elias <laughs> before the end of the first episode as well. Uh, <laughs> so that's another point that came up that that would come up repeatedly throughout the first 12 episodes. Um, but little things like that just set this up as a really good first episode i love the animation i love background music i just thought that the whole package of this first episode was really compelling even though i've seen this series two or three times already um just that first episode reminded me of how much I love this show. And I'm kind of curious, Bama, uh, what were your impressions from that first episode and the various elements that I brought up or anything else that you noticed that I didn't mention? The music was unbelievable. I absolutely love the theme song the background music like you said background music falls into three categories it's either you you notice it because it's not very good you don't notice it because it's so seamless it's 
very much integrated and it's part of the experience or frankly john williams wrote the score <laughs> you've, you've got those three options john williams did not write this score but it was very seamless and and very lyrical and when i say lyrical i i mean the music and the animation combining really made it, it like i said it was just the seamless beautiful concepts and i love the fact that it was in england and i love the fact that she say was like we're in england <laughs> just <laughs> just the look on her face when she said it it's like okay <laughs> she's just completely she's just gonna accept whatever comes her way from here on out okay she's like go for it <laughs> Well, to be fair, after someone pays five million pounds for you at an auction and you suddenly see that they have a giant skull for a head, at that point, you're pretty much locked into, okay, sure, why not? Yeah, but that should have been the first clue. If you're purchased for five million pounds, well, that's English currency. So there you go. I guess that's why I was so surprised that she was so surprised. <laughs> but then maybe she doesn't know much about um, English pounds. I mean, I, I think I knew when I, I think I knew what pounds were when I was fifteen, but I would have had to sit and think for a few minutes if you asked me what's the currency of most countries. I would just have to sit there and go, okay, wait a minute, I know this, I know this, I know this. And it wouldn't be an instant recollection. So, you know, maybe that's what was going on. A pint to pound the world around and the English go to the pub for a pint. So it, it all makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so getting into the more the meat of the series, uh, the first couple of episodes are spent uh, introducing the side characters. Uh, Bama, we'll start with you. Were there any side characters that were introduced within these first two or three episodes before we started getting into the kitty murder scenes? Mm. Uh, were there any <laughs> side characters or supporting characters that kind of struck you as interesting and you wanted to learn more about them? Um, Silver grew on me throughout the series. But the first side character that I really just said this, I want to see a whole bunch more of this character was Elias's friend in what was it supposed to be London where they were? Yeah, I believe you. Are you talking Angelica. about uh, Angelica? I, that Angelica. sounds right. Okay. Just absolutely not going to take any kind of crap. She's going to call Elias out <laughs> because you see this, this very large skull headed creature and he is absolutely cowing down before this finger wagging human. And I'm like, okay, tell me more. I am here. I have my popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> and I had a thing for the pixies too. I mean, who doesn't who doesn't love a good pixie? Absolutely. 
they knew what was best for Chisei, which is to become lost in the Feywild. Yep, you go back far enough to some of the older fairy tales, and that's pretty much exactly what you're going to get. <laughs> Don't follow a fairy <laughs> out into the forest. I think I was yelling that at the screen, much to the amusement yeah, of all yeah. and Andy. <laughs> Uh, so getting into the middle of the series, we're getting into, you know, the first real dramatic story arc, which is, uh, not really, we're kind of glazing over the dragon story, even though the dragon story in episode three was really good. Uh, and I particularly loved, I particularly loved the insert song when she says seeing the sky from the dragon's point of view. I absolutely adored that scene. I thought it was absolutely amazing. Uh, and again, it was just one of those things that just kind of blew me away all over again. Yeah, Wit, Wit does a good job in general with the series. Uh, it's very pretty in a lot of places, especially sort of background and uh, uh, scene setting. But uh, I feel like that whole ending was one of those things that just uh, gets to push you over into sort of the, oh, they know how to be kind of breathtaking with this kind of stuff as, as well. So. When he said his last few moments were spent in flight, I was just, oh my gosh, it was so beautiful. I, I love that outlook on death. Uh, so with the first real dramatic story arc of the series with the kitties. Um, I actually took a note on episode four. My very first note was uh, remembering, oh crap, this is the first story arc. And my note it literally says, uh oh, let's see if Bama can handle this episode. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. yeah, so that first, you know, story arc was really kind of the testing grounds that I think that I was looking for with this series to see, you know, how Bama would handle it. Uh, and I was actually really pleasantly surprised that she didn't, you know, look at me and with disgust and hate in her eyes that I was <laughs> making her watch this. <laughs> Oh, were, were, were you, you still, still there when we get to see that? that yeah, I was there through the first eight episodes. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we got wow. through the first eight episodes while I was there. That's That in and of itself is a huge testament. I don't usually watch more than... Really, I don't usually watch more than three or four episodes at a at a jump i i'm i'm not a big fan wasn't of marathoning a couple days hmm wasn't this over the course of a couple days or yeah it was over the course of a like two or three days oh okay i, I remember the first time we turned it on we watched a ton of them and i i remember being very surprised that i wasn't getting what i call watched out um Mm -hmm. But yeah, you probably got to see me squirm a little and, and, and ask Andy to tell me when it's over. 
Yep, I was sitting there at my laptop, taking little notes and keeping an eye on how you were reacting. Aw, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> it, that was, it was, like I said, I mean, it's a little intense, but by then I, I had already watched, what, four episodes? So... I knew that the series, I, 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 I felt like the series was like, okay, we're, we're actually, a, there's going to be some dark moments, but this is ultimately something that's full of light and hope. And I'm like, okay, we're, I, I'm, I'm willing to sit through something really unpleasant to see where it goes, see, to see where, you know, how we're going to get some hope out of this. And, and when she was trying to bring the two spirits together and, and clean the land of corruption, you know, I mean, it had, th there was purpose to it. Does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes total sense. You need, you need the darkness to match the light again, so, therefore. Yeah. So, alright. Uh... So, I mean, yeah, there was a little things in these episodes that kind of, you know, I remember watching and taking notes. I forgot how often Chise falls into the water in this series. <laughs> oh, yeah. The story of Bone Daddy and the girl with a propensity for drowning. I, I tell yeah, you what, seems like every... love swimming. <laughs> I don't know, because it seems like every couple of episodes she falls into the water and she just lets herself sink until someone rescues her. I like how uh, it gets lampshaded at one point as well. I think the third major time back in the dragons, you're like, what, again? Yeah. <laughs> and she falls into the water and it's like, oh. You know, in her defense, she is pretty skinny and fat's what floats, so... <laughs> Maybe, maybe that's what's going on. She's just naturally non-buoyant. Uh, so speaking of things that are buoyant, let's talk about the introduction of the Fairy Queen. Uh, oh, she really that. brings the tight to Titania. Yes, she really, really does. <laughs> yeah. So I'm <laughs> Yeah, I'm kind of curious, uh, Bama, with your experience with, you know, fairies and and fantasy and that kind of thing, what did you think of the series presentation of Titania and Oberon? Oh my goodness, I've seen so many different interpretations of Titania. And, and they all amuse me generally for different reasons. This was one of the weirdest interpretations of Oberon I've ever seen. I I really kind of didn't see that one coming. I'm trying. Give me a couple seconds to gather my thoughts, and I'll get back to you on Titania. Yeah. I vaguely remember yeah, no saying, what is she wearing? But <laughs> Yeah, so with... 
the fairy queen yeah. uh and the uh with that um the thing that struck me as the most bizarre about Titania was her character design more than her presentation. I thought her design was very bizarre in that, and I'm trying not to be crude when I say this, but her breasts felt looked like they were water balloons. They really <laughs> did. <laughs> Yeah, they looked like they were just water balloons that were barely being held up. Yeah. And that was the thing that kind of caught me off guard the most about the presentation there. To to be fair, if you're going to have a completely unrealistic uh, physics-defying... Uh, uh, <laughs> As we've seen in other works before, if you stick it on the fairy queen of the fae, it's like, okay, well, it doesn't have to make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> You're not really bothered by that. It, it's a, it, Apparently, it's a pool of, of water, kind of, sort of. I don't know. I mean... I, I, wanted, I wanted to love her, but she is impossible to cosplay because that defies all <laughs> logic. Yeah, now I'm very <laughs> curious. But uh yeah, the uh I mean her her face and hair and the uh and the vine wrapping of it, there's there's a lot of uh, appeal to her overall character design, but it is kind of an odd choice there. I'm I'm very curious how it comes across in the manga, because there's one thing for it to just be sort of a sultry arara lady uh stereotype <laughs> and they're just kind of presented there in a uh who cares fashion because she's the queen of the fairies she doesn't need your opinion on anything going on but the but the way that the anime plays with it is like who decided to animate this way <laughs> i feel like you couldn't pull that off in the manga no, I doubt that it has nearly the same impact in the manga as it does in the anime. You could, however, make Oberon still a wily masochist who likes getting chomped on by puppies when he misbehaves. So. <laughs> yeah, I felt like they, they wanted to make Oberon into Puck for some reason. And that yes, I yeah, I I pulled up. Uh, what I did was I right now I've pulled up a picture of Titania, and, and I remember now both why I I didn't make any notes or 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 have any any real impressions because I found her to be inherently distracting. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I know that sounds very. Um, almost chauvinistic. But speaking as a woman who's had a breast reduction, I promise I remember what that felt like, and it was not comfortable. And I was just looking at her, going, "Oh my god, honey, your shoulders, your shoulders." <laughs> yes, I, I, I. Oh my gosh. <laughs> 
And oh, I, I like I said, I promise that is just not a comfortable thing. I, I, I just I felt do. for her more than anything else. <laughs> I do enjoy the interplay between them. A lot of times you get a, you know, the king and the queen of the fairies. You have to get some kind of stately, almost Tolkien-esque presentation of some kind of elfin king. And in this case, they're wise but weird. They're kind of mischievous and playful. They feel like a more authentic, whatever that means, version of the Fae that uh, like to mess around with uh, with most people, whether they're under their charge or just those they're interacting with. Uh, Chino Baron get to chat about how many kids they're going to have in the future. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> they 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 make the both of uh, uh, them, Chisa and Elias. Uh, blush <laughs> yeah so of course the one i felt for the most in that ste uh, in that scene was uh poor spriggan he got to uh make many long-suffering sighs <laughs> <laughs> so um once we get past the introduction of titania and oberon I think episodes seven, eight, and nine are my favorite episodes of this half of the series. A, because we get the dog story arc, which I love dogs, and I love it when they're featured prominently within a story. So I loved that whole story arc. Uh, so let's talk about that first before we get into my other point that i was about to make uh this doggy story arc with ruth and isabel and him chasing after her coffin and waiting for her at her grave to wake up do you, can you think of a more touching story from the last little while really because this story to me is really just one of really one of the best examples of what this series is capable of. And I'm curious to hear what everybody else thinks as well. Uh, Bama, let's go ahead and let's start with you. Uh, after the darkness of the kitty story and <laughs> with the, and the, going into Ruth's story arc with the dog. Uh, what were you thinking at this point? Did you enjoy this story a little bit more, a little bit less? Did you have any strong opinions? I remember right after, um, it was one of those memories that came back very slowly as it unfolded. But then, of course, the church dog and the black dog, and they're in England. Duh. And it all just, it, it fell together and, and made sense. They're, that, that, that's a rather obscure legend that a black dog uh -huh. will haunt the churches. And I'd forgotten about it until watching this. So I really loved it on that level. And I thought that the rest of it was really sweet, too. I... I'm still not entirely certain if the if the if um 
the dog currently known as Ruth whatever was fully human and loved his sister or if he actually was a literal dog the entire time and at the end of it it doesn't really matter and and i really liked that aspect as well yeah i mean i always interpreted it as he was a dog the entire time up until isabel died at which point the he basically waited so long that his soul uh kind of evolved and he was able to take on different forms that's the way that i always interpreted it uh ct did you have any thoughts or an alternate interpretation i think one of the line i think it's fairly explicit in the end from the uh will-o'-wisp was getting ulysses ulysses uh, to realize that uh, he's forgotten uh, what he is. It definitely was a dog and became this entity uh, in the end and now exists as kind of a uh, spirit by form of it. But uh, the, uh, especially in the way that the memories were presented, at no point are we shown that uh, may have been an actual human with a sister it's just this was the the melding of it i feel like they were definitely also leaning into the uh story of hachiko that uh uh-huh that most well-known akita who uh remembered his master who didn't come home from work one day and continued to go to the train station for like a decade waiting for a master to come home uh, so it it seemed to be a fairly conscious merging of that kind of cultural pull from the Japanese side and then the uh-huh. uh, the the English myth to combine into a more meaningful thing. It's not just a particular dog that became a spirit. And in this case, Ruth had a connection to someone who, you know, resembled uh, uh not just resembled chise in being red-haired and and green-eyed but in this case also with the uh the understanding in the background she died too early and that's what we already know will happen to chise unless uh, elias can uh, prevent it uh so it, it, they get to uh it it gets to be a well-handled and meaningful pact that they form as a result of all of this. So I think it, I think it goes through well. I think it stands astride the utter lunatic fringe that is Cartophilus and especially the chimera is constructed, which includes Isabel's head. And, <laughs> whew, bad, bad stuff there. And you get one of the, uh, I think, most picturesque uh, scenes of the series there when they when their pact is formed, and you uh-huh. get to see yes. Chise and Ruth next to each other. I'm like, yeah, that's the way it's done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the other point that I wanted to mention, uh, the other 
part of this three-part arc that I really, really liked was the story of Joel the Gardener and his... I can never pronounce it correctly. Let me look at it. Leon Sid or something like that? Oh, the... Yeah, the... Leon Shi. Leon Shi something like yeah, that. Yeah, I can never pronounce that correctly. Thank you. Uh, that is one of my favorite store ongoing stories of the entire series. And I'll tell Bama right now that if you are ever curious and you want to see how this series ends, how, how this particular story arc ends, it is absolutely worth going into the second half of this series just to see the conclusion of it. Okay, you can't see me right now, but I have very wide eyes and an open mouth. <laughs> you may have just talked me into watching the second half of this series because I absolutely loved that. Yeah, that is that a story arc gets concluded in the second half. It's really well done i really enjoy it a lot like i said it's my favorite ongoing story of the entire series i really wish that they had closed that they had kind of rushed it a little bit more so that you could have seen the second half the second part of that story but definitely, if you liked the first part of it, the second half is going to have you bawling. Yeah, I didn't know there was a second half. I just thought that it was going to, you know, continue on indefinitely with her just quietly loving him and him just quietly loving her back. It's just so sweet. Yeah, definitely it is... Ev even if all you do is watch the episode that concludes that second half, it's absolutely worth seeking out. Thank you. I may do that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but episode nine is even more than just that. The other reason why I really enjoy this episode is because of uh, Silver or Silver just showing some more character in this episode, which I love. I loved how in the beginning of it, she literally hands Chise a wallet full of money and pushes them out the door. <laughs> Something different. I assume you guys were watching the dub. Yeah. Do they always call her Silver? They eventually call her Silky as well. And I've I've always found it interesting because in the Japanese she's almost always called Silky except by Elias who calls her Silver periodically. Yeah. And I feel like there is still mystery within it that will come out at some point why does he refer to her differently than the others in particular? I'm like, okay, this this means something. And, uh, of course, you don't really get to uh, there in this case. Uh, I wouldn't really think to call her Silver because Ruth isn't and uh, uh, Chise isn't specifically. So uh -huh. I was curious if they 
reverse that or just went with silver the whole time uh, in the uh, dub? They do refer to her as silver most of the time, but every so often she gets called silky. Which actually confused me the very first time I watched this series, because I was trying to figure out what her name actually was. Uh, but if I had to choose an absolute favorite moment from this episode, the moment that not only made me laugh the hardest, but also made me love Silver as much as I did, it's the moment when Chisei gets pulled into Elias's bedroom and the door closes, <laughs> and you I see and you see Silver just outside the door with the hammer going against her hand as though she's ready to break some kneecaps uh, i wanted to i wanted to make a gif of that and post it in the channel after watching that i'm like i got i gotta clip that i think i do have that as a gif actually i'd have to go searching for it though probably somewhere but yeah, that is probably my favorite moment of the first half. If I had to choose a singular moment as my favorite of this of these first 12 episodes, it's just Silver standing there ready to bust some heads if she needs to. <laughs> there are just too many awesome moments. Which in, in many ways, a lot of the times, it's like just Chisei being contemplative in a scene or something where you're seeing her face and eyes framed against uh, the bath and other stuff but you know the ones that really stick out are the dragon flight scene and when uh, she and Ruth bond and uh, the, the whole damn ending when uh, she phoenixes up which is tremendous Oh, so, yeah, we were definitely going to be getting to that. There's so many sing single moments that, uh, what is it, when, when she has effectively saved Mina and Matthew and, you know, everything is transforming into a uh, glowing blue flowerscape. There's just so much, uh, so much powerful imagery there that, uh, yes, while I, I like some of the humor scenes, the... Certainly, if you're if you're gonna do anything from the uh, from the beginning stuff, it's going to be one of those really, really leaned on, powerfully vivid uh, scenes. So, getting into the last few episodes of this half, this is when things get dark in a different way, and we learn about some of the history of Elias. And I'm kind of curious, Bama, what you thought about these episodes. Did you, had you pieced anything together up to this point? Or was this all just, you know, completely unexpected learning about his past and his history and the way that he just kind of showed up in the forest without any clue of who he was or where he came from? I was surprised that he was as young as he is, if that makes any sense. Uh -huh. But I wasn't surprised that he didn't know who he was. He doesn't... 
he doesn't seem overly sure of himself overall. So honestly, it, it wasn't anything that really surprised me, but it wasn't anything that I was expecting either. I, I was like, okay, that explains some stuff more than, you know, any shocking revelation. But uh, that didn't bother me. And I really loved when he complained about Elias's inability to ski. That just, I felt <laughs> that on a primal level. <laughs> I'm the only one in my from, family that doesn't ski. <laughs> he's, from, he's from Prattfall once in the scene as well. It's great. They, they've tried to teach me for 10 years, dude. I, 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 I am the one person in my family that can't That's ski. Fine. You, you can uh, go tobogganing. <laughs> maybe, I'll, maybe I'll take up snowshoeing or something. I was at least a little surprised by this because from everything that we've seen so far, the background story of Elias to me came across as something from either the all fey side or the all physical side that was trying, that was seeking something and trying to become something else and getting trapped in the middle uh, because the, the bestiality and other stuff, the, the darkness, things that were hinted at seem to be hinting at a past wherein this is sort of a pseudo curse that is deserved for some reason of dark magic origin as opposed to is just a weird kind of chimera sort of critter that came out of nowhere and didn't really notice anything is just kind of like a, a part of nature that popped out and then started hanging out with uh, Lindell. So <laughs> that, that definitely was different than I thought. I knew they shared an old history, but I assumed it was they've known each other for centuries because they've both been around, you know, for at least that long or longer and ran across each other, not like they became instant pals from the moment of Elias's uh, awakening, as it were. So, uh, so that didn't seem to me to be what the story was trying to tell. So, I'm still, I'm still not sure how it gels with some of the other comments that were made. Uh, it, it was very cute, especially because he goes all chibi form. <laughs> and, and especially it should be because Elias, we, <laughs> definitely best and we we definitely very quickly get uh introduced to best girl rahab so therefore <laughs> to me that was actually part of it um elias's middling not really being in one world or the other that's some of the oldest fairy lore is that they occupy the places in the middle, dawn, dusk, the edge of the forest, the edge of the water, where things are transitioning from one state to the next, that's where the fairies are. That's, that's where their place is. So it makes perfect sense to me that Elias would be in this weird middling state not sure exactly which way he is that's 
that's just really old lore for me. I, I, I picked that up, filed it away, and said, next. <laughs> so, based on these first 12 episodes, um, I'm kind of curious, Bamo, what impressions did you take away from this? Was this something that you said in the very beginning that you enjoyed it and you might and you were consider before we recorded you mentioned that you were considering watching the second half of it uh did anything that we said here on this podcast tonight uh kind of nudge you closer towards wanting to see more of it or because you also mentioned that you were satisfied with the way the first half ended and you wanted to be able to you vaguely hinted that you wanted to be able to remember the series while you were still enjoying it uh and i'm kind of curious do you still feel that way do you think that you might finish it off someday I think I might actually, um, hang on, sorry, Uh, I think I might actually, I really did enjoy it a lot, Um, y'all have mentioned that it gets darker toward the end, and I'm a little worried about it ending very cliffhangery, that's that's not something I, I really want to be interested in, like I said, I I didn't mind the, the, the bloody cat murder. Okay, I minded it, but I, di- I, I could get through it because I believe that there was some light on the other side. And <clears throat> if this series is one of those that kind of descends into darkness slowly, then I'm, I'm not so sure. But from what y'all are telling me, it, it, that's not going to be the case. So... I am definitely tempted, and I, I, I enjoyed it so much. The animation's gorgeous. The music's beautiful. The, Certainly the, not The little fully. succubus is in love with the gardener guy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the the manga is still not finished, so that's part of it. There's no way to know how the story will actually end. Uh, right. And then even if the manga finishes, you have to be willing to potentially finish something because the anime may may never get a season two even after the manga finishes because you never really know if they're going to go through and and do it one one would assume probably but you can't take it for granted in uh anime land to be fair uh, the thing is with ancient manga's bride is that it was oh god let me let me look real fast. I'm really curious. The first... Yeah, the manga didn't start running until 2013. So that was a good four years that they waited to turn this into an anime. And I'm really curious to know how long they're going to wait to make us see a second season. Because they're releasing little OVAs right now, but a full second season has yet to be announced. And I'm really curious to know when it's going to happen. I feel very confident that it's going to happen. I feel very confident that we are going to get a second season. It's just a matter of when. I certainly hope so. I don't recall how the sales were 
Uh, I wouldn't put too much behind the length of time before it was picked up, because if they committed to two core, it's a monthly manga, so it takes a long uh -huh. time to build up that much uh, material to run with. So it might have been a foregone conclusion. In some ways, I'm very surprised they did two core out of it. Not because they didn't have enough story, but simply because where episode 12 ends is one of those so utterly strong ending points that I'm like, well, of course you'd just go up to there and then see how it does and come back later. Why? Uh, I mean, it, it's hard to see. There are certain series where the midpoint ends in a way that is extremely strong compared to where they'll end because they threw two core at the story and didn't have uh, uh, the same power level to to end at. And I, I feel like this is one of those that uh, exemplifies that uh, most because episode 12, the ending of it it, 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 it feels ultimately like it. They're playing the OP in the final scenes. I mean, every single hallmark of final episode is being trotted out while they're doing this very powerfully. And then they're like, oh, yeah, there'll be an episode next week. Or uh, not next. It wasn't next week. It took two weeks. They had New Year's off. But, <laughs> but it very much surprised me. Uh in, in the final form of it. Uh, and yeah, certainly I hope that they will get more, but I, I think it's the kind of thing where they're probably waiting for the author to either wrap things up or get to the point saying, okay, I have one more arc in me that I'm doing and then I'm going to do other stuff. And then they're like, okay, now, now we can get to storyboarding and, uh, and checking with the production committees again. And, uh, Bring in, bring in all of the uh, uh, you know people in in tow for completing everything. Uh, but you know, if the manga is going to go on for ten more years, are they just going to do another a season two at some point to do some more of the story and still have no ending commit to it? So. Well, I mean, we waited six years for Chihaya Furu season three, so... That we did, and I do say if Chihaya Furu happened, uh, season three happened, anything can. But uh, how long have we been waiting for more Yona of the Dawn or uh, some other things that, are, <laughs> that I feel are <laughs> similarly situated to something like Ancient Magus Bride, so... Fingers crossed. Indeed. Now, we didn't actually talk about those final episodes. You kind of skipped forward into, are you going to watch more? And I'm like, <laughs> maybe, maybe we could talk about them, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> we can totally go back and go back. I didn't mean to gloss over them as much <laughs> as I did. <laughs> It, it sounded like you were trying to move to a let's wrap things up, but uh, that's fine. I'm still awake. CT, we can do this. I think CT was accurate when he said we absolutely have to talk about when she phoenixes up. That was Lord. so unbelievably beautiful. It was. I just... remember when I wrote a review of the first half of this series, I reviewed the first DVD box set. Um, 
And I remember I included a line about that in my review and my editor sent back a note saying, no, 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 no. That is way too big of a spoiler. You cannot say that. (laughs) But it's in the opening credits. (laughs) It really is. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, that whole story of Elias's history and then uh chise deciding you know what i need it's time for me to go back home and she phoenixes and flies across the sky with the help of the fairies and lands in his arms and just oh my goodness that scene is so gorgeous oh i I could go on about it well you got some time if you want to (laughs) wax but all all three episodes it's interesting it it feels very slice of lifey because there's only simple things going on she goes back to the land of the dragons and plays around with some of them but she's meeting uh i forget the old dragon's name niven niven yeah uh to and there's a lot of playfulness to it while she's also learning Elias's backstory. <clears throat> but she's also coming to terms with, uh, uh, you know, things about her own relationship uh, that's going on. Her, She's describing a lot of things as being uh, too selfish and, and guarded. Uh, even while she's willing to effectively be bonded and sold to someone that simply because he placed any value on her life at all. So you get uh, uh, you get a bit of psychoanalysis <laughs> of her going on while the uh, while the one scenes are happening. Uh, she does a whole lot of whittling. Man, started real, real damn thick branches there that she's turning into a, a mini cane, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean the her her decision to leave and the manner of going home is is an amazing capstone on it. But even before that, when. Uh, uh, you get Echoes, Lindell Echoes' song, uh, which is a great song as well. I, I very much. Oh, enjoy. yeah, absolutely. It's it's a very bardic uh, feel to it all there. And then uh, you've been getting a few shots of uh, Elias at home and uh, determining the ways in which he misses her presence and then the two of them chatting through the uh through the star lake field like all of these nice touches there and then uh and then uh, uh you know getting her wand fully constructed and it's like well we can fly home but maybe hey maybe i can fly home all on my own it just, <laughs> it's magic right you can do anything we're linked so therefore and uh, yes, the the other part that I especially like is it does the good part, like the extremely strong part of the OP. Uh, I love the <coughs> OP in general, but the uh, excuse me, the the very specific way 
it starts with the the harsh dash dash dori dash dash. that yeah. particular phrasing it kind of takes me out of getting into the song and then enjoyably getting out of the song but everything past like the first five seconds and the last 10 seconds is just great and uh of course that's what gets summoned for her whole flying scene <laughs> and she's freaking going into orbit and uh and and being all phoenixy they'd be like by the way i have unlimited magic power let me let me use some of that <laughs> And then even get a little mini epilogue as well. And uh, I think for the first time, you start to see that there has to be something more behind. I mean, her memories of her family, specifically her mother, have all been extraordinarily dark for good reason. But that's been her mental mind frame since the beginning of the show so there you go thanks uh, <laughs> so, uh, right at the end her arc in this case is i think coming around to some of what you said in the beginning where elias says that she should hold herself as if uh, uh as if she values herself and that's one of the things that she hasn't been so We've, we've seen that slowly opening and this episode 12 is where she gets to come to terms with it and she finally has a good dream remembering her parents fondly and then more specifically some kind of memory reveal that she has or had a sister and then you're busy going what actually happened that tore the family apart and put She's saying the condition that, uh, that she starts the series from. And so there's, there's both pleasantry and progress and also kind of more mystery and darkness on the way as to what happened at that point. So uh, mm -hmm. it, it, it's definitely a, a great way to end the first core I forget ultimately how much of that gets paid off in the second. It's been a while. So it's been almost precisely three and a half years. <laughs> so you haven't been, you haven't rewatched it very much over the last couple of years. Nope. I I've mentioned it before that the way that I rewatch yeah, is yeah. by introducing people normally, or in this case for the, for the podcast in this case, I watched it with someone who I would have normally introduced it to. So in this case, I, I didn't go back to it and uh, re-experience. I do try to push this one on folk as well, though, because it's uh, especially for any any kind of fantasy lover in general. So, so did anybody have any final thoughts, any comments, anything that we glossed over that you want to hit on before we talk about what our next series is going to be? Just that I'm going to be thinking about it, and uh, I'll let you all know when I decide if I'm going to watch the rest of it. Okay, sounds good. Uh, we definitely need an Angelica spinoff series. Uh... 
and I need a Rahab backstory. And I don't know. Let's give Simon something. He he's neat. <laughs> uh, I think that <laughs> I think that was one of, uh, in fact, thinking about Simon in general. Going back to the introduction of uh, Titania, that was one of my favorite things. Was her whole uh, uh, God obsessed with sin diss <laughs> for <laughs> for the Christian deity upon which he worships, and then her <laughs> just going like, "Get out of here!" <laughs> and, and porting Simon to wander lost by the edge of the forest until they came back. Like, okay. <laughs> So, all right, before we wrap things up, I want to talk a little bit about what our next series is going to be because initially CT and I had a couple of ideas in mind and we presented these ideas to Bama who who decided to jump forward a little bit in her training <laughs> all on her own and we're very <laughs> proud of her. Uh, she decided that she would like to watch the series Mushishi as our next series. And I'm kind of curious, uh, Bama, I know that you have kind of an affinity towards folklore and spiritual creatures and everything. Is that, was that kind of the main draw for you to pick this one? Or did you have something else that kind of drew you towards this one to make it your choice? Uh, the folklore was the big draw and the episodic nature was the other big draw. I really like, um, you know, short stories, basically. And I, I figure this is going to be a, a series of short little tales about a, a guy who's wandering Japan and protecting villages from the, uh, the, the resident yokai and i am here for this i i i, I want to see this <laughs> and how i, I you, really appreciate it <laughs> how did you come across it then was it something that uh, uh, andy or someone knew and suggested to you or no you it showed up in my uh google suggested for you feed it shows me a lot of articles from various and sundry and uh <laughs> this one happened to be a list of healing anime and mushishi was mentioned and then a few days later it was a list of underrated anime and mushishi was th there as well and i was like okay i'm seeing this all over the place I, I know that I'm supposed to be the otaku in training here, but but maybe I can move from apprentice to journeyman and and surprise <laughs> CT and LB and say, hey, can I have can I can I pick one? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, like we like we've mentioned before on previous podcasts, this is kind of what we were building towards. Was we were eventually going to have you set off and choose your own series and so you're kind of jumping ahead of us but we're on board so you are is, kicking is at least one of the wheels to the curb 
Oh no! <laughs> One of the trading <laughs> wheels. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Have either of y'all seen this show? CT, I believe, has seen it. I watched a few episodes of it a very long time ago. I have not watched all of it, though, so it will be kind of new to me as well. I absorbed it in a odd fashion because I watched it when it came back, which was another one of those surprising that it ever got a second season of it in 2014. So it attracted a lot of attention. And I think I watched some of next passage before realizing that it had a first series and then it went back to watch the first series and then went forward again to the next year and it kind of doesn't matter you could almost take the whole damn thing in a in a random scattershot order so it definitely fills what you're saying of telling short stories by and large there are a few connected episodes but nothing that matters too much the continuity is extremely light uh, so I picked it up in a, in kind of a haphazard fashion. Okay, well, I certainly hope that both of y'all like it, and I didn't pick <laughs> one that y'all are going to be going, oh my gosh, the entire time through, but uh, I got my fingers like Well, I mean, <laughs> it's it's certainly no fooly cooly, so. <laughs> what could be? What could be? Uh, nah, that's good stuff. And uh, everyone's going <laughs> to kink on Gingo. He rules. So. <laughs> so, all right. On that note, let's go ahead. Let's wrap things up. Uh, thank you, CT and Bama, for joining me for another fun discussion. Thanks it's for a pleasure me. as always. And thank you to all of you for listening to us ramble on for the last hour. If you'd like to give us a little like, share, or subscribe, that would be most beneficial to us, and we would appreciate it greatly. It's worth noting that the next couple of months uh, is going to be the holiday season, so recording schedules might get a little funky, but we will do our best to make sure that this that this stays as monthly as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, but we shall see what happens with that because real life takes precedence. Uh, unfortunately. So, I right, and on that note, thank you very much again to everybody and have a great night. Good night, folks. Thanks, you too. Bye, everybody. <laughs>